Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,211. If you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from Coral Springs, Florida, John Dega. John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, sir. All right. John Dega operates Rare Classics Restorations in Florida, where he and his team manage and care for Florida collectors Kim and Stephen Bruno's cars. John began his automotive career in New Hampshire while still in high school. After graduating with a degree in automotive technology, he worked for EG&G Automotive, then for Ford, and then founded his first company, Springfield Motorsports. The company grew and was very successful, participating in NHRA, SCCA, and NASA racing events, and it still operates today. John sold that company and then founded the Works Garage, where he maintained medium and heavy-duty trucks. And from there, he met Stephen Bruno, and Rare Classics Restorations was born. His work has been seen on the lawn at Pebble Beach, in Jay Leno's garage, and at the Peterson Museum. They prepared vehicles to compete in the Colorado Grand, Cavalino Classic, and the Mille Miglia. John holds 27 ASE certifications, including four master technician designations, and he holds a Class CDL driver's license and several competition license as well. So your cars are in good hands with John. John, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career? and a very obvious passion for automobiles. Well, my, my career basically started kind of slow, busting tires and changing oil. We moved up to there, you know, learning the dealership trade. And then, you know, it was five liter Mustangs for 12 years. The Mustangs, because of the economy and whatnot, kind of went away. And we learned how to work on big trucks. But a um, couple real quick things was, you know, I've only been doing the restoration in cars for about six years. Six years ago, I didn't even know what the term coach built meant. Wow. And I, I had a situation at Springfield Motorsport where my painter said, hey, I got this guy in the model club and he's got an old Ferrari. He needs some help with the exhaust. Would you help him out? I said, sure. So he came by one evening with this Ferrari and I'm looking at this car and I'm going, that's not a Ferrari. Because, I mean, I'm thinking a Ferrari should be bright red and have wings and flares and stuff. And this looked like a two-door sedan. But I took care of him. And it wasn't until I got to Florida that I found out what I'd been working on, which was probably a 1960 PF Coupe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, I guess with the whole coach belt thing, uh, all those years of looking at the door sill plate in my Camaro that said body by Fisher, I, I now understand what that means. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it sounds like you've done a lot of pivots in your career, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, John. Take the wheel. Well, one thing that I've always lived by is that if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. <laughs> yes. And yeah. you can, uh, you. <laughs> I was going to say, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but I love this thought. Where were you when I was in high school? Because I would have had a lot more dates if I'd known that you, you just ask, you know, I mean, it's always no if you don't, but go on. I, I love that. Uh, I love that quote. Well, I mean, it, it goes, it goes to anything from, uh, you know, going on that date in high school to, getting yourself in a position or a job that you want, 
And, you know, sometimes you got to ask the car what's wrong with it. Because if you just stand there and look at it, it ain't going to tell you. So can I call you the car whisperer then? No, nah, I don't think I'm qualified no. for that. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not quite yet. Well, you know, I think, you know, and I've, I think we've all done this when we've worked on our own cars. And you've got much more skill set than I have. But I have worked on many of my cars. And many times I do talk to it. Sometimes I even yell at it. Why are you doing this to me? Can't you help me? And uh, at one time, I remember when I uh, was working on electronics and the car caught on fire. And I think I screamed a few things at that time as well. But uh, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you got to listen. Be a good listener. But more importantly, ask. Always ask, because if you don't, it's always no. I like that, John. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life and you knew you were going to be a car guy? Yeah. And I think I was probably four years old. Wow. Yeah. And uh, my mom was in the hospital giving birth to my brother. And that was back in the days when, you know, dad sat in the waiting room and siblings couldn't go to the hospital, none of this touchy-feely stuff. So I was at home with my dad, and my dad came home with Hot Wheels. Nice. With the orange tracks and the cars. Yeah. And uh, I played Hot Wheels with my dad when my mom was in the hospital. I don't remember a lot of the toys from my childhood, but I remember those Hot Wheels. I remember carrying those Hot Wheels around in the case and playing with them out on the concrete and you know, the cars and, you know, the Indy car with the, the motor in the back and the pipes coming out of it. And, oh, you know, yeah. some of the cartoon cars of the day from like Ed Roth and whatnot. So I would be on the street walking down the sidewalk and I'd see somebody's hot rod. You know, it could be like a, a Mopar with the air shocks in the back and the N50s on it. And I'm like thinking, oh, big Hot Wheels. From that day forward, it was always about the cars. Hot Wheels. Oh, yeah. I've still got all my old Hot Wheels. And uh, I go back. I'm a little older than you, I think. So I go back to Matchbox. I'm not sure if you ever remember those. They may have come out uh, after your time. But Matchbox by Lesney and then, of course, the Hot Wheels. And yeah, Hot Wheels, I mean, they're just so cool. They were just the, the greatest thing. And around our house, we had orange tracks going everywhere. My mom was always tripping over them, going from the kitchen down the hallway. But I had a guy on my show not too long ago, Luis Rodriguez, who won the Hot Wheels Legends competition. He designed and built a car that Hot Wheels chose to make into a Hot Wheels. And if you're at the SEMA show, you yeah, might have seen I his saw car. It on TV. I wasn't yeah. there, but I, you know, I did see it. Yeah, it was pretty darn cool. So imagine designing and building a car and then having it made into a Hot Wheels. Magnus Walker, of course, has been a guest on the show a couple times. He's had uh, his Porsche as a Hot Wheels car. So, yeah, um, I think that's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, Very nice. You want to hear a funny <laughs> Magnus Walker story? I do. So we're, at, we're at Pebble Beach. My wife loves to people watch. So she sees this guy with the dreadlocks and the crazy clothes and stuff. And she's like, who is this guy? Because, you know, people are interviewing him and cameras are on him. So she's on her phone doing the whole Google thing until she found him. And that's how we discovered who Magnus Walker was. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, my wife, jokingly, I met him years ago and he's been a guest on the show a few times. And we always talk when we're at Porsche events. And he's just done a great job of building his his brand and what he does. Plus, he loves Porsches like me. And my wife jokingly says, well, he's your brother from another mother. Um, because we couldn't be more different in the way we look. Uh, he's got a lot more hair than I do, and he's a little wild. I'm pretty tame and conservative, but uh, he's such a nice guy. Every time I run into him, he always takes time and talks with me and shares what he's up to. So uh, he's a fun guy to follow for sure. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've traveled down and talk about a challenge or even a failure that you faced. These are really valuable learning lessons. They may not feel like it at the time, but 
I'd love for you to share one with our listeners and tell us how you gained even more experience and help as you moved out of that time. Well, as a young person, when it was time to go to high school, my parents were already thinking about my going to college. And I believe that my both my parents grew up very poor. My mother grew up dirt poor in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. My father grew up in the Polish ghetto in South Milwaukee. And he was the first of his family to ever attend college. So me going to college to a formal four year bachelor's degree college really wasn't was not an option for me not to pursue. I was so focused on automobiles and mechanics and things mechanical and bicycles, motorcycles and cars and cars. Here I am at this college prep high school. It doesn't even have an auto shop. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) when it came time to graduate from high school, I graduated. I did okay. I wasn't on the dean's list or anything, but I got through it. Went to my parents and I said, you know, I'm I'm working at this tire and auto shop. I really like it. I'm, you know, I got some certifications. I'm doing front end alignments now. I want to take a year off and see if this is what I really want to do for a living. And basically, the answer I got from my father was that that's fine, but you're not going to live here. Oh, you got to go out on your own <laughs> yeah, now. So yeah. you're, you know, it's all or nothing. That's when I found the program for the uh, degree in automotive technology, pursued that rather than a traditional four-year degree. But, you know, yeah. at the time, had I had some encouragement as a young person, you know, I had parents that weren't asking me why I wanted to play in the grease you know, maybe I could have gone to a McPherson or a General Motors Institute of Technology or something. Maybe been an engineer or designer or something. Sure. But, sure you know, exactly. I don't regret anything because I've gotten to do all those things. You know, maybe I don't have the piece of paper hanging on the wall, but in my journey from a mechanic to a car builder doing tuner cars and building race cars, I've utilized all those skills. You know, learning about how, how important is math? I mean, any kid that comes up to me and says, oh, math, I don't need that. That's, you know, baloney. I use it every day. I use algebra and geometry, you know, with the cars. And, you know, as a mechanic, not only are you a mechanic, but you're an engineer, you're a designer, you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you're an artist. Yeah, a lot of things. You know, it's a great story. And I hear this quite often, especially with young people. You know, the emphasis is so has been so strong for decades. You must go to college. And so many young people go right to college with no idea. And my listeners have heard this before. And, and I agree, you know, college is good for a lot of people. And it's a great experience. But it's not for everybody. And come out of four years of school in massively in debt and still have no clue what you want to do. I think you were very wise to say, I need a year off to see what I want to do. Uh, they do that now. I've had friends, kids who do that, where they take years off to kind of find themselves, if you will, or figure out what they want to do. Time well spent. So kudos to you for uh, for what you've done with your life. And it's a good life lesson for others out there that, you know what, college may not be for everybody, but there's places like McPherson that offer four-year degrees that, uh, thank goodness, they exist because uh, there's some really sharp people coming out of out of that. And you're right. Nowadays, a lot less, at least on new cars, fixing is happening, and it's just replacing things. They're technicians, really. They look at a computer and go, well, I'll just replace this, replace that. But what you're doing and what we need for these old cars are people that can get hands-on and can actually do things. So awesome that you're doing that. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle, that first car that you got that had 
some kind of meaning to you and maybe share a memory you have about that car? Well, the let's say the first vehicle I ever got, because it only had two wheels and no motor. But oh, okay. I got a, <laughs> when I was probably five years old, and I'm a big guy, and I was always a big kid, but I got a, a Schwinn Stingray. Nice. Probably got it for my birthday, which is in December. So I probably had to wait till spring to get it out. And it yeah. had training wheels on it. And I'm riding this bike around, and I didn't want these training wheels on my bike. And I got one of the other kids in the neighborhood to let me use their bike without training wheels. I went home, and I showed my mom that I could ride a bike without training wheels, and you need to take training wheels off my Stingray. And, uh, you know, it wasn't waiting until Dad got home. And she went out in the garage, and she found an adjustable wrench, and she got those training wheels off. And I was going ever since. You know, Good that, for her. That that bike meant, you know, it was freedom. It was you were in control of it. You know, it was like a rite of passage. And, you know, again, to be relived with getting a driver's license, getting your first car, you know, it's it's very similar, but I always I always had that bike. I'd ride bicycles hundreds and hundreds of miles as a young person. Yeah, you know, we did too, where I lived in Southern California. I've got a big smile on my face and we're Skyping, so John can see my smile because I, too, had a Schwinn Stingray, candy apple red. Oh, I just love that bike. It was just the coolest thing. Banana seat, had monkey bars, and uh, the big, uh, what's the big bar in the back? I'm the trying to remember bar. what they, the sissy bar, sissy yeah, bar. For, for doing wheelies and stuff like that, So uh, and Brodies and all the fun stuff that we do. Uh, did yours ever have that uh, Schwinn Slick on it? Yeah, I had the flat slick in the back with the two lines in it. And yeah, mine, yeah. mine was black. And to this day, we wow. still have the Henry Ford rule at the house. <laughs> black. You can have any color you, any color you want as long as it's black. I don't know that I've ever seen a black Stingray. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go that you really wish you had back? Is it that twin? No, no. In fact, uh, you know, you, you asked the question about what vehicle would you like to have back in your garage? And for me, it's not the vehicle back in my garage. It's the garage I want back. Okay. What's Uh, that? My shop, which was called Springfield Motorsport. It was in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I founded that shop in 1994. Uh, I had been doing Mustang work uh, out of a bay of another shop that I was kind of, you know, subleasing sort of kind of quasi. And, you know, I founded this shop. It grew and grew and grew till it was a 6,000 square foot main facility. It had a small body shop and paint booth. It had an in-ground chassis dyno. I had another 1,500 square foot building with a full automotive machine shop. I had a staff of six, seven, eight people at one time. And we were all things performance Mustangs. We did the Salines and the Roush, and we were distributors for Vortec Engineering. And But it's not all that, and it's not the fame. It's not the, the cover cars on muscle Mustangs and fast forwards and all that stuff. It's the capabilities that we had. We could form a piece of metal. We could bend a roll cage. We could dyno tune a car. We could compress a strut. We had every piece of equipment, every piece of fabrication equipment and refinishing and the computers nice. and the resources and the Mitchells. And I miss that. I mean, I've got a nice shop and a nice facility now, but I can't tell you how many times we go, oh, we need a or whatever, and I go, I used to have one of those. I used to have one of those, yeah. <laughs> I wish well, you're I very, still you, did. You're very unique, John. You're the first person to answer the question that way, which is pretty darn cool, I think, because it plays to your skill sets and what you love to do. You love to work with your hands. You love to create things. So bravo to you. That's a great answer for sure. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about what has you excited and fired up today. You're working uh, with uh, Stephen Bruno's collection. And, you know, one of the cars I saw on your website made me smile because it's a Bosley Mark III Interstate Coupe. I saw that car on the lawn at Pebble Beach. In fact, I took a picture of it and I even made a card. I make and send thank you cards to all my guests. You're going to get one of those cards. And on one of those, I have a picture of the nose, a very unique nose of that car. So talk a little bit about this collection and tell us what has you excited or fired up about these incredible cars you get to work with. Well, the Kim and Stephen Bruno collection is primarily post-war Italian sports cars. We have Ferraris, Alphas, Lancias, uh, Fiats, but uh, Stephen loves cars that are one-on-ones, cars that were built to show cars, cars that Sophia Loren owned or you know, cars that's serial number one, but they got to have a story that nobody else can have one. And we typically get these cars as a chip of rust, a box of parts, and a couple grainy photographs from a magazine from 1953. It's always a challenge. Every day is a challenge. It's always the research and the history and trying to find people that might have something or know something or know somebody. Right. You know, it's just incredible. I mean, I'll give you, for instance, we had the Bosley Interstate at uh, Ocean Reef in Key Largo for the Vintage Weekend event. And a gentleman comes up and says, I remember this car. My dad took me to Sebring, and I have a home movie of it. By the way, I just had them put on digital, and here it is on my iPhone. Oh, my gosh. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I had another gentleman come up to me at Pebble Beach and says, I was Dick Bosley's neighbor, and I sat in this car in his driveway in 1967. Wow. I said, well, would you like to sit in it again? Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. You know, because the cars, the cars are also to share. I mean, yeah. we don't keep them locked up. You know, we don't have them, you know, hidden away. We take yeah. them to shows and events and driving and we, they get used and they're, you know, for Stephen and Kim's enjoyments, but they're for the enjoyment of everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, kudos to Stephen and Kim for doing that because. Some collectors don't. They, uh, like you say, they put them away. They don't bring them out. They don't share them with anybody. And uh, I really appreciate people like them, the Brunos, who share cars and bring them to events so that people can see them, especially the unique cars like that Bosley. Because, I mean, for my listeners, look it up. It is a very unique looking car, very different, very cool. I mean, very 60s. Looks like something you have in a, a model almost. I used to build models back in the 60s. Uh, just a very, very cool car. Well, how exciting. So do you have plans of being a lot of events this year? Yep. We will be uh, currently, we're taking care of a couple of uh, Ferraris for the Cavallino show. It's at the end of January. Then in February, we'll kick the season off at the Boca Raton Concours with the Bosley Interstate. And then nice. we will be at the Amelia Island Concours. We'll be showing the uh, Fiat Vignali Cabriolet, which was last year's Pebble car, which is currently at the Peterson Museum on display. Nice. Uh, after that, we'll be at Hershey, Concours of America. All over the place. Yeah. Then we're going <laughs> to, and then one thing I'm working on right now with the folks at the Peterson is at the Quail Lodge gathering, yes. we're going to take the Bosley Interstate. The Peterson Museum is going to provide the Bosley Mark I car, and we're going to display both of Mr. Bosley's cars on a special wow. display. And then we're going to give the uh, we're going to turn the interstate over to the Peterson Museum for an extended loan. Wow! So that well, can... that's very cool. So the world can see it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Well, but I have a car that nobody knows about. Oh, it's a it's a 1950. It's an Alfa Romeo 6C 2500. 
but Ooh. it was built by Cantonau Engineering on a special frame using the Alpha components. Count Johnny Lurani, or Giovanni Lurani, was involved <laughs> in the design and the uh, marshalling of the car. And it was bodied by the Riva brothers, not the boat builders, but the Riva coach builders, same area, mm-hmm. Lake Cuomo. And this car won the 1950 Venice Concours and then basically disappeared. Wow. It showed up in the States in the 60s. And at some point, somebody decided that that uh, you know, three-carbureted dual overhead cam alpha motor was too much trouble. So they stuck a Pontiac motor in it oh, and no. did some other crazy modifications to it. And then at some point, it was uh, rescued, and it sat in the care of Bob Tucker for 40 years. And wow. we recently acquired the car, and we are undertaking a tremendous restoration effort. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing that little bit of uh, new news. I like being the, the first one to capture news like that. Can't wait to see it. Do you have any kind of an end date of when that car will be out? If, and if it all goes well, 2020 at the Villa Dest. Nice. Take it home. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, taking it back home for sure. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to follow you. You'll have to send me some pictures as you come through the restoration and uh, share that with me because that is a very, very cool car. I'm going to have to do a little research on that and look that thing up because I'm not real familiar with, I mean, I know the the alphas of that era, but what this car looks like, I'll have to, uh, you'll have to send me some pictures. I certainly will. That'll be cool. Absolutely. Great. Well, John, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah! podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah! TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah! is now on MAV-TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah! guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah! TV. MavTV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, we are back. And John, here's a very introspective question for you. If you were 
manifested into a car. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car sitting in your shelf or sitting in your shop, I should, uh-huh. should say, maybe you're a model car, but you're a big guy, so probably not. What kind of car would you be and why? I would not be a car. Ooh. I'd be a pickup truck. Okay. All right. And why a pickup truck? Because pickup trucks work. They're big, they're tough, and they get the job done. There you go. I like it. Very well thought through. Well, here we go on what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? This was back in my racing days. My machinist looked at me one day and said, you know, if we if we all did everything the same, we'd all be going the same speed. <laughs> you know, I like that. Yeah, and it kind of <laughs> falls in with the uh, take a chance Columbus did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very well said. What was his name? You remember his name? His name's Luke Calloway. Luke He's Calloway. still employed at Custom Auto Machine, which nice. is a company I founded uh, in the early 2000s. Shout out to Luke. Very well said, Luke. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes? Well, you got to finish everything you start, hit problems head on, and communication is key. Good, bad, Absolutely. or ugly. Yes, communication is key. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy that you like to use? Yes. It is a web-based company called McMaster Car. They've probably been in business for 100 years, and they used to have catalogs. And you can get any type of hardware, any screw, any nut, any washer, any raw material, any piece of brass, any piece of glass, anything you want, including shop supplies, building maintenance items. They're the hugest resource. And I was just out in Sacramento at the Ramshead Collection, mm-hmm. and I was talking to John Munson, who's their restorer, and I said, oh, you get that from McMaster? And he goes, Mick what? And I'm like, you, <laughs> you don't know what McMaster car is? It's the greatest yeah. resource ever. Yeah, they're incredible. You know, I learned about them years ago, and I couldn't believe them. I'm like, how come I didn't know about this? It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, great resource. I'll make sure I put that on John's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. I'll link to that site. Great folks there, by the way, they, too. They need to advertise in Restoration Magazines. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah, that might help. That might help. Now, if I could wave my magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Well, you know, there'd been a time in my life where I would have probably said, you know, Henry Ford or John DeLorean or Lee Iacocca. But right now, it's it's pretty much who's ever associated with the car. I'm working on. Like I mentioned before, I would love to sit down with Count Lurani and just pick his brain. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Okay. Now, I got the car here. Tell me, what do they do here? What do they do? Well, a lot of questions I asked, like when I was doing the interstate, I'm like, we had this joke around the shop and it was like, what what would Mr. Bosley do? (laughs) Ah, yes. Yeah. What would Bosley do? Why did he do this? Exactly. I know my son had the opportunity to work on a Ferrari Daytona one summer in a shop. And uh, every night at dinner, I'd say, well, how did it go today? And he'd have his uh, impressions or thoughts on on those old Ferraris. And uh, one night he said, Dad, I don't know what they were thinking when they were making the right side of this car, but I think they were drinking lots of Chianti because things are all messed up. <laughs> so. Uh, but, you know, those were all hand-built back then. I mean, there are no take, factories. Go around one with a tape measure one day. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what his point was. He said <laughs> the one bar on one side, yeah, was a half inch bigger than the one on the left. Yep. Whether they, oh, they didn't have rulers in Italy, what's the deal? So, yeah, at different times for sure. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners? Absolutely. 
It's a book that was written in 1965 by Herman Walk, and it's called Don't Stop the Carnival. Interesting. I've not heard that. What's that book about? It is about a gentleman in New York City who was disenchanted with his career and his job, who had vacationed in the Caribbean, and he decided that he wanted to own a Caribbean resort. So he bought a Caribbean resort, and then the book is about his trials and tribulations of dealing with the local government. And a lot of these islands had changed hands. It was French, it was Dutch, it was English, it was native. And then they decided to keep all the holidays. So the government office he needed a permit from was never open. If it didn't <laughs> rain enough, the cistern didn't get full, and he had a flag to water barge down so the guy would bring fresh water to the resort. And, oh it's, and he finally gets everything fixed. He finally gets everything running right and profitable. And then he realizes that Oh. It's kind of like a careful what you wish for thing. And he yeah. winds up back in New York City very much at peace. I think that turned into what's called a nightmare. That's <laughs> what it sounds like. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. That's for sure. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources, including that very interesting book on John's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYow.com, type in John, that's J-O-N, Dega, D-E-G-A, and you'll find that book and everything else there. All right, John, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy for a guy who's been around so many cool cars like you have. Today, I'm going to buy you one very cool collector car to park in your own garage. But there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with or that old garage back. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here. I want you to take it out and share it just like uh, your boss there does. And it's the only collector car you can have. So choose wisely, my friend. I choose Ferrari number 0473SA, which is a 1956 Ferrari 410 Super America bodied by Ghia. It was the last Ferrari that Ghia ever bodied. And if you've ever seen this car, it is the best of America. It is the best of Italy balled up into one car. The five liter. Lampretti motor under the hood is essentially a big block Ferrari. And the bodywork and the coachwork and design of this car, if you looked at it, you wouldn't even recognize it as a Ferrari. It has rocket age fins on it that are three feet tall on the back. It's got a giant fish mouth on the front. It's got bumpers that wrap into the body side molding that wrap into the rear bumpers. The front wheels are almost skirted. But if you stand at the back of this car, and you know how you normally have a three-quarter view of a car? Well, back that up yeah. to about seven-eighths and look down from the rear of that car to the front. And it makes a perfect wedge all the way down to a vanishing point on the horizon. It, I know the car you're talking about. It is, it is crazy. It, it's, um, you know what? I think about that car, and I saw it at Pebble Beach one year. I can't remember what year it was on the lawn, but I know it was there because I've got pictures of it. The front of it with the headlights, and you see, tell me if I'm, crazy or not, gives me a little bit of a hint of the Ford Thunderbird. Yes. Um, it's got that look about it, mm -hmm. but you got to- A big bird, some, not a little bird. A bit, Right. The big one. Yeah. The later one. Exactly. But I didn't know that about the way the wedge was. I'm going to have to go back and look at some of my pictures and do a little research on this, but that car was just, yeah, that's- I, I had the opportunity <laughs> to see that car in the flesh and it was on a display pedestal. So it raised up a little bit and you could just stand at that car and it just, it just started high and then it came down until it disappeared. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh oh man, that and thing's the, pretty the darn cool. Trim inside that car and the, the amount of details is incredible. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go back and look at my pictures because um again, when I first walked up to it, I went, What? Where did this come from? Was that car a Paris Motor Show car at one time? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think so. I remember my the plaque and reading a well, little bit what, about it. Well, what it was was the 410 Super America. Ferrari originally displayed that car as a chassis only before it went okay. to the coach builder. Okay. And that's where the show reference comes in with that car. Well, I think that thing had around like 400 horsepower. Yeah. It was it was kick butt, yeah. man. Every, <laughs> Luigi Tinetti Jr. is a South Florida resident, and he's come to our facility on a couple of occasions and he mm-hmm. he talks about super america's like you gotta have one you gotta have a super america it's the greatest car in the world it's the best car ever built do you know where that particular car resides or where it lives now i believe it lives well the last time i saw it was at the peterson but peterson. i believe it's a okay. west coast car yeah okay. it was in the bruce meyer gallery i see okay cool very nice boy you've made it hard for me dude i'm gonna have to try to figure out how i'm gonna get this to your garage <laughs> That's gonna, I'm going to have to do a little research and work, but that's okay. Uh, I know that in your hands, it will be very capable hands and be well cared for. Yeah, it's a beautiful car. For you listeners out there, check it out. 410 Super America, body by Ghia, uh, 1956. Uh, you'll find lots of pictures when you Google that, and it will blow your mind because it's, it's unlike any Ferrari you've ever seen. Very nice. Well, John, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 56 410 Super America? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's more of a comment than a parting bit of wisdom. But, you know, the person who said, uh, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Uh, we work hard every day. Uh, <laughs> you know, people aren't aware of a lot of times the big joke in our industry is, you know, when's the truck coming? Because, you know, you're on, you've got a deadline, you've got a car that you're restoring for a Concours, you don't know when the transporter's showing up, it's a week driving to California, or yeah. it's three days to here. So, you know, we work hard, 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 but it's probably the most fulfilling work, it's the most rewarding work, because not only do we get a a financial reward, but we also get the admiration of our peers and people outside our industry that's able to see and appreciate our work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like the way you say that because I've had a lot of people use that quote. I think it was attributed to Henry Ford maybe at some point in time, but anybody who says he didn't work hard is crazy <laughs> because imagine trying to start a car company when there wasn't even electricity. I mean, he had to build a, a stinking power plant. Just uh, power Thomas factory. Edison was his best friend. Well, that's true. <laughs> he, he did have a good best friend. So uh, maybe we all need to have uh, like Elon Musk as our best friend or, yeah. or somebody to bankroll it. Very nice. Well, and what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you? Do you guys have a website? Do you have any kind of social media to show people what you're up to? Uh, yes, we do. Currently, we typically do a website for each car that we do annually. The Bosley Interstate website is called AmericanCoachBuilder.com. Okay. And the Fiat 1400 that we did for Pebble last year is VignaliCabriolet.com. And you can share the restoration journey and the show journey there and see pictures of the cars and whatnot. Uh, We maintain a Facebook page associated with those. Well, listeners, again, you can find everything John has been so kind to share on his show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Remember, it's John with a -A J-O-N, Adega, D-E-G-A. John, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise. It's been really fun getting to talk to you, learning about these incredible cars that you guys uh, bring back to life and share with the world. 
Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you for your time. And if I can just get a message to all you parents out there, buy your kids tools. There you go. Great. Well said. Thanks, John. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.